Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. The Leo Wellbeing Index for 2022 found that four of the top five causes of employee anxiety and stress related to financial concerns. And with the cost of living crisis, inflation and general money worries facing a lot of people in Ireland, it's easy to understand why. But what can organisations do to relieve some of these stressors and why should they do it? So to talk about this topic today and to answer some of those big questions, we're delighted to be joined by one of Ireland's leading finance experts and a voice that will be familiar to many of you. We're joined by the CEO of Fairstone and founder of Ask Paul, Paul Merriman. Thanks for joining us, Paul. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. Yourself? Good. Yeah, all good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. Brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, founder and managing director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. And Paul, it's great to have a celebrity on our show. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to say thank you, but then it sounds like I'm kind of confessing to being a celebrity rather than a financial platter. Uh, Thank you. Brilliant stuff. So look, we'll, we'll jump right in anyway, Paul, uh, and look, thanks again for joining us. But I suppose no the title of today's episode, Paul, Financial Wellness. So look, financial wellness is not all about money, right? So what is it about? Um, so financial wellness is about knowing what to do with your money. I think when people talk about money, they think about it, it comes automatically down to how much you're earning. Um, and one thing, and I say this to, we do an awful lot of uh, well-being sessions for employers and brought in to talk to their employees. One thing I say all the time, the employees kind of laugh as if the employers ask me to say this, but it genuinely is true. When we look at a financial plan for somebody and through a consultation, it's very rarely their income is the issue. It's what they do with their income is the issue and what they've done in the past. So it's very rarely meet somebody that's not earning enough or needs to earn more money. It's that they need to stop spending money in a certain fashion or being able to educate on what they should be doing with their money. Uh, but like I said, we talk about wellness, people I think the more money I get, the more successful I'm going to be, the more happy you're going to be. That's not that true. You're definitely probably a little bit less stressed. Uh, but uh, that being said, it usually is attributed to not being able to manage the money correctly uh, rather than actually the money itself. 100%. I suppose then, Mary, when we talk about financial wellness from the kind of employer side of things and that relationship between employer and employee, the devil's advocate, Mary, some people could say, we pay you, we give you a pension, figure out the rest yourself. Is that acceptable, Mary? I have a funny feeling. I know what your answer is going to be. I've heard that a lot, Owen, in my travels, as you can imagine. Um, But no, There's a lot of talk these days about people bringing their whole selves into the workplace. Um, And obviously, if somebody is having financial issues or are worrying about money, um, that is going to have an impact in the workplace. Uh, It's a stressor for the employee. It's going to have an impact on productivity. And, you know, the question then really becomes if we're really serious about employees health and well-being then finance is one of the big areas that employers 
ought to look at as part of that process. And, you know, sometimes when you, when we think about people worrying about money or managing money, um, we think about people who might be in trouble financially, you know, in debt, whose, you know, credit card bills are out of control, who don't earn enough to pay their bills, who uh, the cost of living has caught up with them and, and they're overextended with their mortgage or whatever it may be. But you also have people who worry about money, even though they have money. Um, and that's uh, another thing. I think my own mother all her life worried about money, um, despite having money. Uh, and certainly towards the end of her life, she had lots of money, but she still worried constantly about it. So I think when you think about people's fears and people's relationship with money, um, you see that it does actually come into the whole area of, of work and, and how people feel about it. 100% we'll dig deeper into that over, over time. So. so I suppose, Paul, we were kind of talking about this. It's something we were going to talk about anyway, but I think with the cost of living crisis, it's something that's been around a bit more, if you know what I mean. Um, so I know the cost of living crisis well, has been a huge challenge, but if I can take a stab at some kind of silver lining, has it spurred on the financial wellness agenda a little bit? Now that we're all kind of thinking about it. It has. So there's been two massive things in relation to financial wellness over the last number of years. Number one is COVID-19. So a lot of people had a lot more money in their back pocket. They weren't spending spend their money the way they used to because they couldn't. They couldn't go out holidays. They couldn't go out. Uh, so they're trapped in a bubble and they weren't spending money. That was the first thing. People started really analysing What's it going to look like in the future? Is this what retirement is going to be feel like? Do I want to really live here? Do I want to live there? What's my my work life balance going to be like when I go back to work? People really, you know, appreciate being with the kids maybe more, not running around the cat as chickens and rushing around like nine to five. Uh, so they started to, they started to really think about their futures a lot more. Um, and then after COVID nineteen, we have this massive cost of living uh, or inflation. This cost of living crisis with inflation. And what that's made people be is really more aware of what's actually happening to their money and what's happening in society, so what interest rates are going to have an impact on the mortgage. And they start, unfortunately, having to learn a little more about personal finance or seeing those letters come in the door if they're on track or mortgage or seeing a higher fixed rate come in when they came off the fixed rate in the mortgage. They start to learn more of these, about these things and they start thinking about them more. I do, however, think, and I know there'll be some people listening to this that mightn't agree with this, and I am sorry, I'm not trying to say this to upset or annoy anybody, but... There's a lot of people that are worried about the cause of living crisis and don't need to be because of the attraction it's getting from the media. So the media are putting a massive spin on this. We And, you know, even looks at the big employer losses like the, the tech firms, an awful lot of those tech firms, you know, and I know, really, really sorry, if someone's one of those tech firms, you're getting made redundant. This is not, not meant to annoy you, but they still have massive employment in this country. And we still have massive savings. We have billions on deposits. And what it's doing is the negative press is making everybody automatically fear 2007, 2008 recession again, because we're still very scared when that happened. And I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as bad as that if we do go into recession. So yes, the cost of living needs to be considered. People need to maybe start, you know, saving a bit more and taking their foot off the expenses. Uh, but nowhere near as dramatic for the majority of people uh, compared to where the media is. So I think... If it's focusing you around looking at how you spend your money and how your budget and how your mortgage is calculated, that's great news. But just be very, very careful not to get yourself into an alarmist state uh, or into a situation where you're very fearful of money because that shouldn't be the case just because inflation's up. That's, it's, mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't be the case at all. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I think that's really important. Although a lot of people are more aware, need to be very careful whether letting that awareness affect them. Yeah, absolutely. Because I suppose it's it's your own. You can only think about your own problems, I suppose, in your own situation. A hundred percent. I mean, I see people panicking on their own fixed rates on mortgage for five years and panicking a bit more because interest rates and they can't do anything for five years more than likely. Uh, there's no need to panic now. Um, so, yeah, like I said, just be very, very careful uh, about. Uh, but I think you're right, though, as well. It has focused people around well-being and financial well-being a lot more. But. It's about trying to find out what your financial well-being is. Like one of the things we talk about, we do presentation again, is we talk about financial well-being is not about a pension. It's not about a mortgage. It's about how you balance your money and how it allows you to enjoy your life. There's one of the statements really that has nothing to do with pensions or investments or anything like that. They're all the simple things that anyone can put in place. Uh, but a financial planner is someone that should be there to help you balance that and let you know when you're supposed to do things in life. So for example, if you look at a pension, a pension makes sense if you're 20 years of age, you're going to fund it for 40 years of age. But there's no point in having 20 grand in your pension at 30 years of age and still living in your parents' box room because you haven't got a deposit for a mortgage. The spreadsheet says it makes sense, but real life doesn't really make sense, does it? So it's more about trying to do what real life dictates rather than fake spreadsheets that don't know what your personal circumstances are. Definitely, all about perspective. So I suppose, Mary, kind of similar question to yourself, Mary. Um has financial wellness historically been kind of the, I suppose, the forgotten child of the wellness family? Are we seeing kind of a bit more progress now around, is it coming into strategies more? Is it coming into your rewards packages now include a bit of financial advice a bit more? I suppose, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's always been there in a way, hasn't it? Um, you know, that, that whole topic around finance uh, in the workplace, but it usually comes in the form of you're not paying me enough and I can't afford to live my life and, and I need a pay increase. So if you look at things like inflation and, and the cost of living increases, um, you know, everybody's coming to their employer looking for more money. Um but the management of that money is a whole different issue. And um, money is about choice, isn't it? Or freedom or uh, the opportunity to do things differently. Um, and if you're bad at managing money, um, you know, no matter how much of it you have, you're still going to be bad at managing it and you probably still will be in debt or you still won't be able to make ends meet. And so from a HR perspective, you know, it's interesting to see the expansion of wellness into the whole area of finance and it's a bit of a conundrum too isn't it for HR people because often they're tasked with the whole area of reward um, and if the reward isn't enough for people or they they aren't getting the pensions as part of their package or they don't get the uh, big salaries or the big increases as part of their package and, and people are in trouble financially or feel they're in trouble financially or worry about money. Um, you know, HR's role in that is interesting from, from my perspective. Um, but I think it's a great idea. You, you don't get it in school. I mean, the basics. You're not taught how to budget or manage your money in school. And often people are in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and they still aren't managing their money and they still don't have a budget. I must admit, Paul, I don't have a budget. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's a crime, but I don't have a budget. It's not quite a crime. To be honest with you, I think, so the, we do loads of consultations here at Ask Paul, but the, 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 from a financial planning point of view, it's very rarely people book in and we have to help them manage their money or budget. I think people need to go on a budget if they can't manage their money or they can't get the payday without being in difficulty. That's the first thing. The first step, as soon as somebody says, 
I, I'm not great with money. It's great. Get a, get a budget, find out where your money is, where it's going, and we can have a look at the budget and try and start to reshape things. So it's kind of like the baby step, I suppose, or the first step in getting better with your money. Um, so I, I don't I don't think a lot of people need, like, I don't have a particular budget I would stick to now in a month. I would have done 20 years ago when I was starting off my career. Uh, I wouldn't have stuck to it that often, but I had one in the background somewhere. Uh, I think when people hear the word budget, though, on that subject quickly, they think automatically when they meet someone like me that a budget means they're going to put them on a budget, a budget like as in a, a diet, a money diet where they can't spend money. It's not. A budget is just about to find out where your money is and where it's going. So how much is coming in and where is it going out the door? It's about tracking that. Now, obviously, you can't get the payday without being in an overdraft or, you know, borrowing off friends or family or, you know, living on beans for the last four days. Y- you know, you need to look at the budget and find out well, what's actually going wrong here. Have I got too much personal debt? Uh, am I spending too much money on silly things that I don't actually really need? Uh, and then there's nearly an emotional side behind it. Of why am I doing that? That can get into a whole different kettle of fish. So I think people underestimate just kind of picking up on the budgeting comment there from Mary and going back to own your original kind of point on employers and wellness. I think people are starting to realize how linked money or personal finance is to your overall mental health. Uh, and also to your productivity when you're in work and your retention, or are you moving job to job to job for an extra one or two thousand or five thousand, even though it's going to do nothing for you after income tax because you're probably just going to spend it because your money habits are all over the place. So I think people are starting to finally realize the implications of mismanaging money, what it has on their employees' mental health, but also their kind of overall, you know, well-being in work. Uh, and I think it stems, you know. A lot of problems will stem from mis- financial mismanagement, um, and I think people are getting that. And employers are getting that. Hey, can I ask you, Paul? Do do a lot of people get into trouble with the management of their money? You know, when you when you come into an organisation or or speak to individual employees or your your clients, do you find that a lot of people are coming to you with problems? Or no, it's it's very rarely people come to us with problems. Um, you know, but we do, we have a free financial planning academy on Ask Paul and one of our biggest downloads is still the Ask Paul uh, personal budget template and also uh, the debt ladder, how to deal with debt, personal debt. Um, I think people think they have problems, Mary, actually, which is a really, really a whole new podcast and how like they really think they're in financial difficulty and they're not. Uh, and when they look at a financial plan, they realize how good they have it or how good their life is. So that's really, really, I, I, that's one of the best parts of my job. And showing people how secure they actually are when really they think they're not. Uh, so I think that's important. But I just, uh, I would know from even like our Instagram page, you know, the people that would message us that mightn't work with us over financial planning consultations that were looking for help and guidance in relation to being in financial difficulty or not being able to get the payday and being a little bit all over the place. Um, and it's still, we're going to do financial wellness. We'll always, um, we'll always, um, what you call survey the, the employees and ask them what they want to speak about. Mortgages is the biggest one at the moment and interest rates and inflation. Uh, and then after that, you're going to get budgeting. And then that, down the list, you'll find the company pension plan, uh, where we probably talk about this in a second, where usually when you go into a company, the best thing they can offer you after your salary is the pension. You know, There's a pension, five and five, and nobody understands what that means <laughs> or what it's going to mean for them financially or how to operate a pension plan. Uh, but yeah, it's usually the last thing employees want to speak about is the pension. Everything else is before that. Definitely. And I suppose the whole undercurrent of the conversation so far has been that element of how people feel about it, regardless of what their situation is, how they feel about it. And as we said there at the at the start, I think the Leo Wellbeing Index 2022 found four of the top five causes of employee anxiety and stress related to financial concerns. 
I suppose how can, and I'll come back to yourself on this one, Paul, if you don't mind, that whole financial stress and worry piece, how can that negatively affect a business if all your employees are stressed about money? Oh, and it can, it can massively, it's going to expect, like it's going to affect their sleep, it's going to affect their physical health, their relationships at home, their productivity and work, just their overall mental health. So it's going to affect absolutely everything. Um, and it's not a nice place to be. I mean, if anyone's ever been under even a little bit of financial pressure for a week or two or missing something, it, it could just make a massive impact on their life. So yeah, it, it goes through nearly all parts. I mean, the biggest part, there's loads of different surveys. You mentioned the layer survey as well, the wellbeing index. Uh, I remember looking at the PwC Employee Financial Wellness Survey where they looked at employees themselves and they found out that uh, from a productivity point of view, six more likely to say they were financially stressed have severe uh, or majorly impact, uh, majorly impact on their productivity at work. So that's you now 41% of people saying that, you know, so it's, it's, it's a big of uh, course. Um, and then people retention is a big issue here where people will move for a very small amount of money uh, when, you know, from a tax point of view or a work ethic point of view, like as they might have to work harder for an extra five grand uh, when after taxes, two and a half grand, maybe, you know, 200 quid a month or 50 quid a week, they could probably with a financial planner have saved that 50 euro per week so without moving a job. And uh, we've also seen people do mad stuff in the past where they've left employers that have, you know, five or 8% employer company pension plan and moved to an employer with no company pension plan because they didn't realize that that 8% was probably worth three or four hundred thousand to them in their pension plan in the future because they've never seen a financial plan they never know it they never they never visualize what that looked like when they get to when they get to 60 or 65 years of age um so yeah it can just lead to really really silly mistakes uh, but the main the main issue employers should have on this is number one is the productivity of their employees you have somebody that's financially stressed they're going to be spending more time panicking and worried and flat out on their bank in 365 or whatever banking app they're using trying to make sure they're paying their bills and making sure they have money. Um, but the big thing I think they should really worry about is the retention. If they move for an extra five or 10 grand to another employer, the cost of replacing that employee is going to be far more worse than getting them educated on financial planning. You know, so it really makes sense from a, from a, from an, from a, an investment point of view, having your, helping your employees be more financially aware I think is number one, probably the most affordable thing an employer can do or minimal from a cost point of view. Uh, but yeah, probably the most impactful. 100%. And I suppose with all the, the issues we've spoken about, Mary, over the past couple of years, actually, things like the war for talent, employee mental health, it is one of those things that kind of touches a lot of bases, Mary, isn't it? This whole finance piece. Absolutely. Because if you can um, teach people and raise awareness and, and help them manage their lives better, um, surely you're going to benefit as an employer. Um, and so it makes absolute sense to uh, educate uh, your workforce. And like we said earlier, if, if school isn't doing it and you're probably not getting it in college, uh, you may have learned behaviours from how you saw your own family operate in the past, um, or you may have developed terrible habits yourself. I mean, sometimes when you look at just the, the cost of things like you know, apps that you're using and maybe small amounts of money coming out of your account every month. And you'd be surprised where money goes um, w without really looking at it, monitoring it and being aware of it. And for many people, I think, you know, children, mortgages, um, the cost of food, the cost of fuel, all of these things have increased. Um, and if somebody was maybe on the edge in the past, um, 
you know, I can see the logic of why someone would move for that extra five or ten thousand euro without thinking it through fully and in a knee jerk kind of way. And we're seeing all over the country um, HR teams struggling to fill positions every time someone leaves you're almost adding on an extra five or ten thousand euro to hiring somebody new anyway um so it makes sense to invest in in teaching people about money and then if they're leaving it's not just for the basics in terms of of their basic needs around money that they're leaving for they're leaving for other reasons and that that's what that's where most of us in hr want to get back to it's a bit of a nightmare out there at the moment 100 percent. and there's a little bit of a communication piece as well there isn't there mary and this is the question i'll ask both of you but i'll come to yourself mary mary if you don't mind is there still a little bit of a stigma around talking to your employer about money because i suppose the classic example is some of us get scared to ask for a pay raise it's just people just fear that sometimes but i, I mean even beyond that asking about benefits, pensions will come under a bit of general financial pressure, although it might not be always on the employer. Is there still a bit of a stigma there in that discussion piece? I, I think so. I mean, I, I've never had a conversation with any employer over all of my career about money uh, or about any financial pressures I would have been under at various stages in, in my uh, career over the years. Um, and very few people over in my experience of being an employer, very few people would ever have raised any concern that they were having about any financial issues. Uh, maybe they're all paid really well. I don't know. Um, but HR are always paid very well, Maria. See, that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I hope, hopefully my own team aren't listening too closely to this podcast because they may well all be approaching me later. But let's see who listens to you. You'll know who listens to your content after this one anyway. <laughs> Let, let's be clear. I'm not inviting uh, conversations about pay increases. But, you know, it it is true, though. The number of conversations I've had with anyone in any organizational setting, either as an in-house HR professional or as a consultant are few and far between. So without doubt, there's stigma um, around money and certainly for, for those who get into trouble. And I saw an awful lot of that throughout the recession, the depression, even the pandemic from an employer perspective, you know, being in debt considered to be somewhat shameful as opposed to something that people manage their way through um, with a program or a plan or a plan of action. Um, And way too many businesses over the years um, have gone out of business because again they didn't they didn't get that advice or they were too much in debt or too much in trouble with banks or whatever. So absolutely, there's stigma. There's stigma right throughout society around um, money and finance, and I think it's great to see that conversation opening up. People are under real pressure. I see my own daughter in her thirties who's um, going to build the house um, and, you know, concerned about the cost of building, the increase in materials, the, you know, ability for their long term to to manage all of these things. And that's difficult. That's difficult for a a young person with a family who's uh, trying to 
get on the property ladder for the first time. So I think a lot of these things um, feed into how people feel at work and how they perform at work and, and their general happiness. So to me, it's no brainer. Let's take the stigma out. But. Definitely. And I suppose, Paul, it's probably different for you in the sense that when people come to you, they're, they're asking you for help. They've come to you. They've made that step. But do you think there probably is still a bit of a stigma generally? Or? Just massive stigma. Yeah, massive stigma. Actually, the reason we started the Ask Paul Instagram, well, back then was, I think it wasn't Instagram, it was Facebook and Snapchat and YouTube. But the reason we started the channel, um, all those years, six years ago at this stage, was not to turn the business to what it turned into. Actually, I didn't, I didn't know it would explode the way it did. But just think of very general advice. Mary's mentioned this a couple of times now. We don't get educated in skill. We don't get educated in culture and personal finance. And as a financial planner, I was getting sick of speaking to people about pensions and they hadn't got a clue what they're doing with their mortgage or they hadn't got a clue what they're doing about the rest. And they kind of, they just wanted me for their pension, but I was kind of saying, or an investment account, and I was saying, well, how's your mortgage going? Like, are you on a fixed rate or a variable rate? As long as they wouldn't discuss it if I was trying to sell them something else because I was asking, I was actually asking their interest to say, well, I know about this stuff, so if I can, even if you just stay with your existing bank and fixing or doing something, it might save you money. So the reason we started was the page to reduce that stigma about talking about money and talking about all areas of personal finance. I think this is where employers have got it wrong. And I think, you know, just talking about pensions is not really any good. And as well as that, if I come across employers that have phenomenal pension benefits and nobody's shouting from the rooftop about it or no one's giving them massive rounds of applause for what they're doing for their employees for their future. So they're making massive inroads into like really funding people's personal finance, but they're they're just not doing it in the, you know, they're, they're not talking about it enough, which is such a shame. Um, so yeah, I think the stigma is there. It's very much there. Uh, and I think, you know, we're trying to break it down. I mean, podcasts like this and you guys fair play, putting a topic like this on us, hopefully breaking it down that people listen to this um, and hopefully make better decisions going forward. 100%. I suppose kind of perfect segue to the to the final big question and it's one we always kind of finish on. Um, and again, come to yourself, both of you for this one, but Mary, I'll come to yourself for this one first. So I suppose if employers, HR teams are listening, they want to kind of build a bit of a strategy on this, kind of make some positive steps. Um, I suppose what's, what can they do, Mary? Like what should they provide to employees? What should they be focusing on? Any general advice? As I always say, own um, it's it, the advice shouldn't be coming from me in this direction. They need to listen to the voice of their employees and remember at different stages in, in a person's life, they will have different financial pressures and strains. You know, certainly in my younger days, crash fees and um, buying my first home and all of those pressures were huge. Now, at this stage, my children are raised and, you know, I have more money than I ever had before, um, simply because I'm not spending it on on them. Clearly, we'll be sitting down for a consultation after this, so, uh, Mary. I <laughs> know, <laughs> well, you might be quite horrified with what you find, Paul. Maybe I do need one of those budgets. Uh, a, a, little, a little less uh, nice things in life. But I feel I've got to the point where, you know, I deserve that bit of security and and being able to spend that bit of money on myself rather than always so focused on, on what the children needed or the costs that were associated uh, with the children. And that's just me in my case. There's many um, there's many stages that people go through 
uh, within work. And so you have to look at your demographic, you know, your the age range of of your employees, what matters to them, what issues they need to uh, talk about or want to talk about, what kind of education or supports can the employer provide to them. It is becoming more popular now, the whole idea of individualized benefits. And I know we talked about that um, with PwC or around that whole concept of individualized benefits for people. You know, what do I want? Do I want that pension? Do I want uh, health insurance? Do I want more money? Do I want assistance in, in other ways? Um, because there are different pressure points for people and for those who get themselves into debt um, for one reason or another or, or who have historical debt that really has put them on the back foot, maybe they need something different too. So listen to the employees, number one, find out what's important to them, find out how big an issue this is for your people um, and operate from there. Um, and, you know, the more support you can bring in, the better. The more education and awareness there is, the better. 100%. A similar question to yourself, Paul. I suppose it's the more you know really about your, your employees and the more they know. It is, yeah. I was about to say we should have called Mary Ask Mary for this. That was a great answer, in fairness. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. uh, thanks, Paul. <laughs> I'll personal finance career there. Uh, I'm happy to join you anytime. <laughs> uh, so, look, I suppose uh, a few things. Um, what, what should employers be doing here? Well, I, I can tell you what we do. This isn't a sales pitch, by the way, uh, where it's us or somebody else. What you want to do is speak to someone that first comes in and finds out what the employer needs and why they're doing this. Is it doing this just to tick the box, uh, as in to say they've got somebody in, or do you really, really care about their employees' well-being? That's really important because the course that goes on next will depend on what that outcome is with the employer. Once you find that, you need to survey your employees and find out what they need. So going back to our marriage, they have different demographics. Uh, they're going to want different things. Uh, so like I said, they've got a really young workforce. They're not probably going to want pensions. They're going to work, talk about you know mortgages and you know, the likes of the crash fees and how to survive on a monthly basis and even a little bit of personal budgeting. You probably have people in that have their first jobs, for argument's sake, and will be coming out of, out of college into trainee roles. So the, 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 the financial well-being, uh, I suppose, not say course, but the kind of the, the delivery of the financial well-being program will be very much structured around that. Uh, and then you need multiple touch points throughout the year. So somebody coming in talking about financial well-being for one day, we do that for some companies, not for a lot. It's quite a, that's some just ticking the box to kind of say, yeah, we got somebody in. Um, so I think maybe out of the last 200 we've done, maybe 10 or 15 of being that once off, uh, where the rest of we work out throughout the year. So you put something in place in January because you know everyone's motivated in January on their money, you put saving plans in, employ different schemes. Then we can go looking at towards summer holidays, looking at mortgages, we look at retirement planning for those that might be approaching retirement planning. We look at the budget then when it comes towards the end of the year. We look at back to school. So we're giving a lot of different, got a lot of different uh, content throughout the year to build in a proper financial wellbeing program. And that's really important because that's real financial wellbeing, not just a one hit wonder kind of 10 or maybe an hour presentation to make everyone go, oh yeah, that was great. Uh, and then go back to their same habits the next day. So a wellbeing course needs to be delivered consistently over time, in my opinion, is the first thing I'd say to employers. Um, the other thing I would say is that just something Mary touched on, which you can do in the UK, and I don't think it's available here, uh, is where your employee can pick their benefits, uh, which is really cool. And I'd love that to come out here uh, where you can decide, you know, whether you want uh, extra money, uh, which is great, or whether you want more pension. So the older you get, you want more pension. So the employer might say, look, it's 10%, your salary is 50 grand, you have five grand to play with. 
Do you want income protection? Do you want debt and service? Do you want a pension contribution? And you scale that up and down depending on where your life is. And that's amazing. Uh, no, that's not available in Ireland uh, through most of the work schemes. Uh, but it's about listening to your employees and finding out what they actually really value and want and maybe giving them the option, even if it is more income over a pension, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's where people are in their life. Um, and then lastly, I, I would just like to finish, and again, it's a really good point made by Mary about that kind of crash phase and that start, stage, stage of life. And the reason I want to finish on this from my point of view or this topic is we had a client in the boardroom once um, and it was the first client that, that kind of really broke down crying with happiness. And, and this isn't a corny, corny story for me to finish on, by the way, so the promise is a true story, but it's more about the employer. He worked in a pharma company in Dunleary uh, and he was in, he was two young kids, uh, wife wasn't working, she's looking after the kids and he was working shift work and he was working all the hours God sent. Now I mean, like, he, this guy was exhausted when he came in. And he was trying to buy a family home, uh, but he was struggling because only some uh, uh, mortgage companies would allow you to shift work at overtime towards your salary. So we got this guy mortgage at the end, or mortgage approval, but he was renting. Um, and I get my cash flow analysis, which we do for all our clients from a financial planning point of view. This guy broke down when he seen his pension. Now, it was nothing to do with me, so I'm not taking any credit. He wasn't my client for pension. He was my client for a mortgage advice. But the company had this pension plan in place again where it was eight and eight, so 16% of his contributions. This guy was on track to have 750 grand, three quarters of a million in his fund by the time he got to 65 years of age. And he didn't realize that. And he broke down because he was so under pressure. He thought he was going nowhere in life because he was working all the hours that God sent. And all he wanted was a mortgage for his two kids to have their own family home. And that's and he just thought he was failing. And he was so succeeding in his career, but he was, he seen paperwork come in for the pension, but he just hadn't got the financial sense to read and understand what it meant. But on the financial plan, we were able to visualize where this guy was going to be at 65. He was overwhelmed and really felt like he had a career. I can't explain the bounce that that guy had going back to work and how much that financial planning constantly. And I know it changed that client's life. We got him the mortgage and he got a house. It wasn't about that. It was the fact that he was going to work every day with a pep in his steps on how good an employer he has, how much he's going to have when he gets to retirement age, and all the hard work is going to be worth it. Now, in fact, if he had that much money in his pension plan, potentially that much money, he could go from 60 years of age or 55 years of age. And that's what we started discussing. So this is why financial planning is so important. Giving someone a pension is not a financial plan. Giving someone just pure mortgage advice is not a financial plan either. You need someone to sit down and go through all of this with somebody and show them where their overall life is going to be with their money and what impacts, like a butterfly effect. What happens today has a massive impact on the future. So I'd really encourage any employer listening that's bringing in financial well-being, try and get a proper program in over 12 months. Um, I, I said this to an employer last, last week laughing, kind of taking uh, the mickey out of fitness industry a little bit, saying don't be paying someone to come in and do jumping jacks with your clients, like with your, with your staff. Like It's pointless. That's not going to change their life. Uh, you want to be spending money on something that's impactfully going to help your clients. And the other thing about financial well-being to finish on is that it can be all our stuff that we always, re always record the content if you can. So if it's not with us and you're going to somebody else, that's fine getting to record the content because that's something that your employee can bring back to their spouse or their partner and it helps break down the barriers about personal finance at home like there, it's very you can't bring the jumping jacks back home you can't bring the okay, maybe a bit nutrition or whatever else back home uh, and overall well-being but i just think it could be such an impact when couples sit down together especially you have children and they listen back or they look at a presentation about somebody talking passionate about financial planning it could just really impact the family and that's very rarely an employer gets to give a benefit 
that they can bring back home and change the dynamic of something. So that's what you should be looking for. 100%. And look, there's so much to it, but so much you can do and think of the effects it can have on your employees, your employers, the whole lot. So look, thank you, Mary and Paul, for a very insightful discussion. Glad we got through so much there because it is a big topic. So we're delighted to get both your insights. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insidehr.ie. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Paul. Thanks, Owen, and brilliant to have you here, Paul. Great. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.